Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Are you ready, kids? Get your parents' permission, check your mailbox, and grab your shopping cart. It's time for the Adventures in Collecting podcast. I'm Eric. And I'm Dave. Welcome, Welcome to, to Adventures, Adventures in, in Collecting. Collecting where we talk toy news, culture, and hauls, along with our journeys as collectors. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Adventures in Collecting. Hello, everyone. Good morning. We, we are back. Yeah, we're, we're, we're recording uh, bright and early. Usually we're, we're a bunch of night owls over here recording at night, but we're, we're, uh, we're recording while, while the sun is still out, which is, is always a... It's always a nice little change of pace for us, Dave. Yeah, um, and you could be listening to this in the morning, too. So it yeah. has many, 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 actually two, two implications. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, I don't know if we've ever actually discussed what time we're, we're normally recording. But uh, yeah, so, so good morning to you, early AM listeners. Uh, Dave, we're, we're, uh, we're back with another guest. We are. So, uh, Super Impulse is known for making the world's smallest toys and providing a fun unboxing experience in both their micro toy box and wacky packages toy lines. And whether you're playing with the world's smallest Rubik's Cube, a G.I. Joe, or He-Man figure, this week's guest is responsible for bringing them to life. Joining us on Adventures in Collecting is Alan Dorfman, founder and president of Super Impulse. Alan, welcome to Adventures in Collecting. Good morning. Thank you for having me. It's uh, a real pleasure to be here. So before we we kind of jump into the uh, the interview itself, we we always ask all of our guests, as this is a show about toys and uh, and collecting. Uh, what are you currently collecting? Uh, at this point in my career, dust mostly. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. There's two answers. One is a shameless self-promotion. Um, we are we do a line which we've been doing now for uh, we're going into our, our third year. We call micro figs, which are miniature size uh, action figures. Um, so I've been basically collecting my own product and displaying them on our monitor, and it's it's, it's run to you know forty or fifty pieces now that completely surround uh, my my desktop. Um, so that's, that's kind of the, 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 the newest collection, but, uh, my hobby for, and for many years I've been doing this, um, uh, is collecting mechanical tin toys. So antique toys generally made, um, between the late 1800s and the early 1900s, uh, mostly European made that all have wind up functions, really cool stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. A, f- a few years ago, I was in uh, Colonial Williamsburg, Virginia, and they have a, a really great um, like folk art museum there. And they had a traveling exhibition that was like the history of toys. And I, I had no idea that it was there, you know, go- when I was visiting. We just so happened to be in the museum and, you know, it was serendipity but uh looking at all of those old uh wind up tin toys where like that that was the best part of that that uh that exhibit was just it's fantastic um to tell you the truth a similar experience i was running through uh late for a flight uh the uh airport in san francisco and they had a display a museum display that was in the airport in in in, glass cases in the center of the uh, uh of the hallways and um it stopped me cold. I mean, it just, I couldn't, couldn't stop looking at them. So it, that, that's where my fascination started. That's awesome. Yeah. The, it's, it's so cool to see how well too so many of them have, have kind of like held up, you know, with like the, the colors and the paint and, you know, and even honestly, like the, the mechanical function itself, the fact that, you know, they still work is, is kind of fascinating. I'll yeah. tell you the truth, stuff that was made over a hundred years ago and you know, I'm in the industry and I, there's mechanisms we still marvel at and we can't figure out really how they, how they came up with them. 
Yeah, as I say, that's that's the most amazing thing is just kind of like how they made things that we take for granted work. Um, because at some point that idea was brand new. So, and the fact that they still hold up for the most part is unbelievable. Well, every once in a while, because they're mechanical, you know, I'll, I'll hear, you know, in the middle of the night, something is now, you know, getting a little bit of that wind that's starting to run on its own. So, you know, they all carry stories and they're probably a little bit haunted. Um, so they, they, they will come to life every once in a while on their own, which is enough to keep you up at night. <laughs> And very seasonally appropriate, too. Yeah, of course. Um, so you started Super Impulse back in 2015. Uh, tell us a little bit about your journey to, to starting your own toy company. Okay. Well, I've, I've been in, in the toy industry for, for much longer than Super Impulse. Um, um, we actually started in 2014. It was in 2015 when we launched the World Smalls, which became the, the, the core of the company and the product line we're best known for. Um, prior to Super Impulse for 20 plus years, um, I was the owner of another toy company, which I founded, which is called Basic Fun. Basic Fun is still alive and kicking and based in, in Florida. Um, it was at Basic Fun that we came up with the concept of miniaturizing toys and putting keychains on them. And to this day, whenever you see people having keychains hanging from their backpack, um, they're kind of gets credited towards towards basic funds keychain business um i sold the company hung around for a couple of years um to help the transition and then i was done and really planning to kick around and see what came my way and didn't really have a, a specific plan to, to go back in the toy business um i was fortunate that um i was busy and the phone rang and the emails came in and gave me a number of projects. One of those projects was a product line called Super Impulse. And that product line was a, uh, a floor display for retailers that had a video monitor built into it. And it would, the video monitor would play a loop demonstrating the toy. So it was designed for Impulse Toys, which I have always been involved with. And it was basically an in-store merchandiser. Uh, so I agreed to take on the project of bringing that program to the United States, and eventually they became you know, expanded to uh, bringing the program uh, to a worldwide basis, worldwide distribution. And uh, eventually it uh, gained traction and it demanded all of my time. And we decided, um, we being my, my two partners, one based uh, in South America, who brought us the program, and one based in Hong Kong, who runs our, our, our Hong Kong office, um, to put our resources into managing the Super Impulse business. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, after about a year, we realized that the miniature toy business was going away. The guys who uh, had, had uh, bought Basic Fun decided to pivot and change directions and were no longer doing the keychain business with miniature toys that uh, we built the company on. So there was low hanging fruit and it was a great opportunity. And we just went ahead and started uh, acquiring uh, licenses and deals with other toy manufacturers and uh, a great product line was born. So, you know, super impulse and, and like you said, ba basic fun initially uh, was no, is known for making you know the, these kind of smaller toys and and now with super impulse especially you know laying claim to the world's smallest toys going back to the the little super soaker um what kind of built this fascination uh and and uh direction to take uh, a toy line into the world of like making the world's smallest things um that's a good question um Personally, I was always drawn to, I guess, the, the into impulse toys, which by seems to be by nature usually small toys, things that you carry around with your pocket, um, silly putty, Super Bowls, um, you know, a lot of this stuff that was that you know they're classics now, but when they were first released, they were they were trend items, they were fads. Um, I was doing a product um, at Basic Fun that was kind of an open market item, but um, it was a little uh, 
um, a little squirt gun that 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 at that time people, women particularly, were wearing around their necks, and they were they were squirting each other in bars. It just became a little mini fad, lasted a few months. Um, but I had just come from. I'd worked for for a period at Laramie, who was doing the Super Sober, and um, I was down there on some for some reason visiting. And I was explaining what I was doing. They were showing me what they were working on. And it just became a, uh, you know, light bulb moment. Well, why don't we miniaturize a super server? Hmm. And they looked and said, nah, we don't need to do that. Yeah, that's not our thing. Super soakers are big. Super soakers have lots of capacity of, of, of squirting ability. And, you know, no one wants a small one. And I kept at them and took about a year to convince them. And finally they said, okay, we'll give you a crack, you know, see what you can do. And um, in order to differentiate it, they didn't want the product showing up in the water gun aisle. Um, they didn't want to, to draw any sales from them. So I suggested I put a keychain on it and um, keep it, you know, as a, in, in the miscellaneous toys or the impulse toy section. And they agreed. And it was an instant hit. Uh, it was the, the, the appeal of the miniature of something people were used to seeing big, giant, oversized. And all of a sudden, here is the same product, but pocket sized. And when you picked it up and pumped the you know, the little uh, the, the, the nozzle and a stream of water squirted it out, it was a wow. It was a big deal. People just flipped out over it. And uh, now, now it's concerned. It took off, and uh, I'm thinking, okay, now what? You know, we you know there 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 there's no end to one hit wonders. In the toy industry, so you know what next? And um, I started looking around. I mean, I literally went to Toys R Us and started looking up and down the aisles. What can, what, what can I miniaturize? And what can I get the rights to miniaturize? And that second one happened to be Etch a Sketch. I landed on Etch a Sketch, another longtime favorite. Uh, bought it, took it home, took a hacksaw to it, took it apart. And said, yeah, I can make this. <laughs> and um yeah that one worked and it became snowball okay well you know next one the next one and you know we went from two items to four items to 12 items and just snowballed it yeah i mean it, it's interesting to think about it right because we, we've you know you've said it several times now like just kind of impulse toys as as a category you know as a as a uh, you know uh, a category of toys and, you know, I, all of a sudden now I'm thinking like, oh, yeah, you know, thinking when I was a kid, whether it was those like the capsule machines, you know, where you, you pop in a couple quarters and, you know, you get a, a super, you know, like a, a sky bounce ball or, uh, you know, some sort of little uh, like little figurine, you know, in, in in one of those those capsules. And I feel like this is kind of like the natural progression of <laughs> of that, you know, where it's, uh, you know, instead of being kind of a genera brand toy uh in, in that that kind of uh impulse category you know now it's kind of the things that you either as adults you know grew up with or you know as a kid maybe this is your first introduction into an etch a sketch is you know one that's super tiny think about it think about what think about your 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 favorite i'll quote unquote forgotten toy Think about when you're cleaning at your desk, get ready to go away to school, and you find something that, you know, in the back of the drawer that you couldn't put down or you took everywhere with you and you're a kid and haven't seen it in years, and all of a sudden it's just laying there, you know, in the back of the drawer or, or hanging off a backpack that was stuck in the closet or something that's been sitting in the, in the kitchen drunk drawer that, that you, you know, pluck up and all of a sudden start playing with. And these type of toys are the ones that are really, really the favorites or really the, you know, the ones that... That, that that touch you emotionally, that bring back the memories. That's I think the core to the success of our product is that we 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 cross over demographics. We're not a kid's toy line. We're not a collectible line. We're 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 you know people. You, it's pure impulse. People see it. They remember it. They have to have it. And, you know, the, something that you uh, you know it becomes a keepsake. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, part of the, the fun to it is, is the nomenclature of it being the world's smallest. So, um, how do you go about determining how small something needs to be in order for it to be the world's smallest? So we have kind of two levels of, 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 um, review that we go through. If, 
if it was a product that we created as a keychain back at the first company, then we were automatically challenged to be it ourselves, saying, okay, we already made it small. It has to be the world's smallest. So we have a, uh, an objective of at least 10% smaller. Um, the other um, point that we try to meet, if whether we did it or, or, or it's a brand new item, is we, we kind of start from, from the engineering perspective and say, okay, how small can this really be and still function? So we want to deliver the experience of the toy that people would expect it to. So if it's a you know, magic eight ball, it has to be you know, a workable, functional magic eight ball. That, you, know, you turn over and it gives you a different answer every time. And we have to go kind of through the engineering perspective of you know, how small does it have to be to, um, to have that function, to, to really work reliably and uh, you know, be able to, to actually be built. You know, that's the other the other challenge is you know we're mass producing these they you know the, we have to have a, a production uh, method that allows them to be worked you know you can make one small of anything but it might cost you you know an exorbitant amount of money in order to build it yeah that was one of the things that was uh so so you know we we had the opportunity to take a look at kind of a sampling of um of of the product line. And I had seen the the uh, uh, the etch a sketch before, actually, um, at Toy Fair a few years ago. Uh, the amazing Etch Man uh, was actually doing little little portraits on the uh, on the Super Impulse uh, etch a sketch. So I had seen that in person and, and knew that it had functioned. But I, I think I was most impressed by the um, the little lava lamp <laughs> because I I was wasn't expecting it to have a pump on the bottom to like actually like move the the little like oil mixture around in there to make it look like it was actually a lava lamp like i was expecting it to be something where i just kind of like turned it over and you know like the beads would fall out or like you know uh like drift through um but yeah the fact that it had like a little functioning pump on the bottom i was like oh this is this is really clever <laughs> right so that that one was uh, that that was one of our our, our challenges uh, so to so the nature of a lava lamp a full-size lava lamp is that you plug it in and uh, the electricity um, activates a heating element and that, that, that melts the wax and causes it to float and drop through the uh, through the through the liquid. Um, we knew that we weren't going to pass any type of safety testing if we had a heating element and a pocket-sized product. <laughs> so so we had, we had a we had to abandon that 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 feature. And go. Uh, we we came up with the pumping mechanism, which gives us a pretty good likeness. Yeah, I I agree. It abs- it absolutely, absolutely does. Um. So so you know, speaking of you know, we've talked about the lava lamp and and uh, and the etch a sketch and super soaker and and there's even a Rubik's cube. Um. You know, due to the nature of your product, you have the opportunity to to really work with some of the most famous toy brands and you know, kind of licenses, uh, in the industry. How do you go about choosing, uh, like, which one comes next? Um, you know, we're, we're, we're constantly challenged. Um, you know, fortunately, we have, we have very good relationships with, uh, w- within the toy industry, with other toy manufacturers. And um, for the bigger companies, Hasbro's and Mattel's and Spin Masters, you know, we, we essentially have, uh, you know, developed relationships with the licensing teams and it's almost like going through a roster you know we look at what we have we look what they have um we look at past products as well as what's current and we just try you know try to land on on brands that are trending that are meaningful that are classic um and pursue those and of course we have to consider the mechanics that you know can we make this work and can we deliver a product in small size that will you know meet the standard um, the other thing is we're constantly looking, you know, we're, we're looking at, at what's out there. We're looking at, uh, uh, you know, we're searching our own memories of what, you know, what we remember. Um, I mean, there's, there's, there's no shortage of toys in the history of toys. Um, but sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll sit on to some that are too obscure or too, you know, basically they're too forgotten about to, to, you know, be successful on bringing them back. Um, but for the most part, we look for, you know, we look for well-known brands and well-known, um, toys that, you know, fit, you know, just kind of fit the mix. 
And now, a word from our sponsors. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And now, back to the show. Now, now you mentioned when you're kind of going through these these uh you know these kind of catalogs mentally right um you know these uh long histories of of toys from these these brands do you ever try to go after something that's maybe um you know like you said maybe like a a forgotten toy like i'm i'm thinking like you know uh uh battle battle beasts or rock lords or you know street sharks like some of these these toys that have kind of never really left the like collector conscious consciousness but you know they haven't been on the shelves in in decades we it happens all the time and we really have to make a decision um of how's it going to be viewed by our customer base so when i present our product line to a to a a retail buyer um they're going to go for products that really are going to uh give them the best success off shelf um and in many ways, we compete with ourselves. So if I have a more obscure title, it's just not going to get the support at retail than some of the higher profile brands. It's a shame because we, you know, we lose, we leave a lot of a lot of really interesting stuff on the table that way. But from a uh, a practical point of view, a business point of view, we just can't make everything. So you know, we do have to make a cut. Um, I'll give you an example of something that's on the cusp, but that says worked out pretty well for us. Um, we do a couple of different types of Gumby. And mm-hmm. um, current awareness with kids from Gumby, you know, it's it's kind of niche. There's a lot of kids who don't know what 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 or who Gumby is or was. Um, a lot of us grew up with it, and you know, it's a classic, and it does pretty well for us. Usually, when we mix it into other assortments, um, as a standalone, it's it's a niche product. Usually, you know, in, in toy stores or collectible stores, but it's not something that some of the bigger retailers would pick up. And we're we're really proud to have that brand within our mix, um, but it's a pretty specific type of product. Um, we have watched uh, unboxings on YouTube and on, online, and a kid will pick it up and open it up and say, "Oh, it's a little wire green man." You know, no idea what it is. <laughs> oh man, my heart. <laughs> <laughs> or I've, I've had one kid say, "I bet my dad knows who this is." Uh. <laughs> Well, it's a good thing you didn't include the blockheads. They would have been really confused. Uh, they, they've been, yeah, they, they, they sit here and they, they may make it one of these days. <laughs> but yeah, I even see things like, you know, like, and I think this is the most amazing part, especially with the uh, world's smallest action figures. Like, you know, not only is it replicating the packaging, but like, you know, there's articulation, there's battle cat, like He-Man can go on, actually go on the battle cat. Like it's, it's amazing kind of the level of detail and just the level of nostalgia where it's like, yeah, I can do the thing that I did with my action figure decades ago with the world's smallest figure. Um, that's a great line. We have a lot of fun with that. And that does give us a, a, the, the capability of stretching um, the assortments beyond what you know we, we would do maybe in, in, in the typical world's smallest line. The micro figs have given us um, some really good opportunities. So even like we do micro, we call it micro Migo. We, you know, we work with Migo on their relaunch of their action line. We've been focused mostly on horror so far. Um, and, it, you know, that gives us a good retro, you know, uh, opportunity for stuff that that isn't so mainstream. Yeah, I couldn't believe I, uh, you know, I, I popped open one of the, the micro toy box uh, blind blind packages and uh, there was a little He-Man in there. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I'm looking at it. And I'm like, wait, does he come with a sword and the, the sword of and the shield? And can he actually? And then I'm like sitting there and I'm like, oh, my God, he can actually the the, the shield clips onto his arm. The, the sword goes in his hand. This is crazy. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's you know, t- tooling that stuff and molding that stuff is really challenging. It's really, I mean, look at how small the hands have to be in order to grip the sword. Yeah, and the fact that it actually like, like I, again, like I'm sitting there, kind of, 
incredulous like okay like yeah I'll, I'll sure i'll be able to get the sword in his hand and then when i did and like i'm sitting there shaking him back and forth and the the like you know the, the contact is actually so good that the sword's not falling out of his hand and the shield's not falling all uh, you know off of his arm I, uh, I was i was very surprised i'd warn you not to uh shake too hard because that sword flies out you'll never find it in a closet <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I have a high pile carpet in the office, so yeah, it would be it would be gone forever. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so speaking of Eric mentioned the blind box, um, one of the trends that has been extremely popular over the past few years has been uh, crafting a blind box and mystery unboxing experience for collectors. Uh, how do you determine which products are going to be in the blind boxes? So we started. Um, the first blind box, it's, and it does really well, is actually a world's smallest blind box. So we've been selling all these individual items, these individual brands um, by themselves. And uh, one of our customers, our, um, a large customer who wasn't yet a customer, somebody we've been pursuing, said, you know, I don't really have the space and it doesn't really fit our merchandising scheme. Why don't you give me an assortment and put them in some kind of display? And we realized that blind box would be the best way to execute that. So we put together the world's smallest blind box um, in, a, in a counter display or a shelf display. And it continues to be our top seller. And it's proven to kind of to be a not only a great seller in its own right, but it also introduces a, um, a, a broader base of consumers to um, the category world's smallest. That, you know, they buy the blind box. If they're looking for the magic eight fold, they're not finding it. They can always go back into the aisles and, and pick it up. But um, so we 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 it opened our eyes to the opportunities in the blind box area. Um, and the next one we did was wacky packages. Now that was something that we went to Tops to get a license to do miniature wacky packages, which were the old trading cards, um, been around for about fifty years. That. Um, um, we're done as, as, as collectible stickers slash trading cards. And so we wanted to build them into 3D. And it made sense to do them as blind box. And so you open the package and there's, there's five different, different wacky package minis inside that package. And that led us to, uh, well, we're already doing the world's smallest as a working line. Um, we saw there was a trend in miniature collectibles and grocery items and, and, and other household type items. Let's let's do what we do best and make miniature toys. So this year we've launched the micro toy box, which are non-functioning but collectible mini toys. Again, you know, multiples within a package, and uh, that's a fun business. We really like it, but it is challenging. You, know, you have people. Uh, no offense to your audience, but collectors are very passionate about that. And we, <laughs> we 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 went through a learning curve finding how to how to you know properly do a, a blind box product to satisfy the collector community. Yeah, I mean, in a, in a in a world where like information travels in a in the blink of an eye, you know, like it's it's. I, I was just having this conversation with uh, with somebody the other day, like you know, hearkening back and remembering a time where you know you'd walk into a toy store, uh, you know, a, way pre internet, and you'd see a toy on the shelf that you didn't know existed. You know, like you had no idea it was coming. Um, and you know you were excited to be like the one to find it on the pegs right and then then go back and tell your you know your friends look what i found and i feel like you know and dave and i have talked about this uh, in the past too that this kind of blind box blind bag experience especially for collectors like people who have you know our age and and, and even older it gives you just kind of like a taste of that feeling and that experience that like you really can no longer have because of, you know, the, the, the internet and, you know, uh, and marketing plans and leak culture and, you know, and all that stuff. So it, it's, it's so interesting to see how brands kind of adopt the, the blind bag, blind box experience. Um, you know, the other thing I really like about blind box is that it, it's, it's a multiple, um, style merchandiser. So, you know, you can put it, you know, it gives us the opportunity to make a lot of product and put it into one assortment. So there's a challenge there, but at the same time, it's a lot of fun. So we, we, you know, we will get of our collections. We'll, we'll have to get dozens and dozens to make it work as a blind box. And, 
um, as you know, as 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 a as a developer, um, that you know that's the fun part. That's the part that that uh, you know we enjoy. We enjoy you know the variety of brands. We enjoy you know uh, having to mix and match them and put them in, in the proper assortments. Um, our head of development, Daniel, has to consider has to create a matrix of how to pack these things. And that's kind of one of the things that a lot of people don't realize. Is, you know, it's 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 challenging, but it's pretty cool to have to figure out. You know, okay, we're going to put, you know, this product with that product with that product, and and you know, uh, these ones we're going to make scarce, and this is what we're going to do to make them rare or collectible. Um, so it's it's a whole new um, kind of level of product development. Yeah, because that's always the other fun thing to consider, right? Is is the <laughs> what are the determining factors that make something. Uh, qualify as the the thing that's going to be the the rare or the chase, you know, in the in the, in the assortment. Uh, I have to ask Daniel that question. <laughs> he tells me. <laughs> I mean, we 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 do you know, agree on. Then it's usually his suggestion whether we're going to do a, a gold plate at one or a chrome plate at one or mold it in a, in a clear plastic or make a black series. But he's the guy that actually picks the specific styles of of, of what's going to end up as a. Uh, as you know the ultra scarce one or or the rarest so so one of the things that we we haven't really touched on yet and i feel like has has become at least i'm assuming an unintended uh side effect of the uh of the super impulse products is kind of like toys for toys so as toy photographers have you know started using them to enhance photos uh, you know, to to give their toys toy displays, or even like deck out their dioramas. You know, just using them as props. Um, do you ever take any of that into consideration when when producing these new items? So, yeah, I can tell you that I'm a genius, and we saw that coming, and we thought this was something we should play into. But <laughs> the truth is, <laughs> we had no idea. We were so impressed and so thrilled to see that 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 trend come up. It was like, wow. Now, why don't we think of that? Um, um, it's completely organic. Um, people, you know, uh, creative people started seeing the opportunity, and 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 the you know action figures for your action figures to us just kind of blew us away, and that really reinforced the uh, legitimacy of the product line to us. You know, we have to do more of this. Love it. Yeah, I mean, the the first thing I thought of when you know after I I opened up you know a, a few of the packages and I had you know a dozen or so. You know, effectively one twelve scale little figures. Um, I was like, I'm going to put Deadpool on the floor, and he's going to be laying on his belly with his legs crossed behind him, and he's going to be playing with He Man and Hello Kitty because, of course, he is. <laughs> and you know, like I took the picture and then started, you know, set up the little one twelve couch and the table, and started putting everything around, and put the lava lamp on the on a, a side table, and I was like, you know, this this is something else. You know, like <laughs> if there were you know, other kind of like how like general household objects in here, like a a phone, like even if it was like a rotary phone or like a uh you know, like a solo cup. You know, just kind of like other fun little household items. Like I I think that would be like a super cool spin off almost. We do a couple of things that, that do uh, fit into that category. We 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 uh we have a uh, uh a world's smallest turntable. Um, doesn't actually play music, but uh, it looks like a pretty cool turntable, and, and it does come with a record, and it does spin, and a little strobe light goes on. And we also do um, um, Polaroid camera. Oh, awesome! It's actually been pretty popular. Yeah, so um, doesn't take pictures, but it does eject a piece of film and makes that cool little you know, electronic whirling noise as, as as the film pops out. I got to keep my eye out for that one. <laughs> So um, as a result of that trend, kind of related, we are launching a, um, a brand new product, which will be both as a standalone and as an accessory uh, in a combo pack with the micro figures. Um, and this was purely inspired by a photographer's use of the products as a prop. Um, we were looking at um, social media and we saw that someone had taken an image of uh, it set up uh, He-Man playing with a micro He-Man, and they use as a backdrop um, a He-Man comic book. And we looked at it, and we uh, showed it to Mattel, and they looked at it, and 
it was another aha moment. And for spring of 22, we are launching a line of uh, micro comic books, full reproductions of original comic books that are about an inch and a half tall, two inches tall. Um, um, you know, we've gotten rights to the original artwork. And they'll be offered along with He-Man, Transformers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and G.I. Joe. Oh, that's so cool. That's awesome. Yeah. They're, <laughs> they, I have to say, this one this one really you know, got us going. This was this one is really cool. Now, now my now my action figures can have book collections. I like this. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I oh, can't that's wait. Really cool. I can't wait for Optimus Prime to be reading a Transformers comic book. I'm already the the gears are already turning, Alan. They're turning. So that is a exclusive to you guys. That is a brand new launch, and uh, you you you're the first to break that news publicly. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. Great. Thank you. So, uh, so now that that brings us into our uh, our Q and A. This segment is brought to you by our friends at Chubsy Wubsy Toys, a traditional mom and pop toy store in Little Falls, New Jersey. Chubsy Wubsy Toys brings you the best new toys from the brands you love, without the hassle of pounding the pavement searching for them at larger retail stores. Visit them in person at 106 Main Street in Little Falls, New Jersey, or online at chubzywubzy.com. That's C-H-U-B-Z-Z-Y-W-U-B-Z-Z-Y.com. And tell them Adventures in Collecting sent you. So uh, we posted uh, you know, a, an announcement that we were going to have you on the podcast, and we collected some, some questions uh, from our followers. And, uh, my family members. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can confirm two of them, if because two, two of them we have uh, we have uh, handles for. So if, if if you recognize them, you can you can put them on blast. But then the the other one is a, is a combination. Uh, we got a couple of questions that were very similar, so we just kind of turned it into one. Can't give a single person credit okay. for it. But uh, Dave, do you want to hit Alan with the first question? I sure can. Um, at Nico Minoru nineteen eighty six asks. I'm excited about what's in store for next year. Are you making more keychains, more blind boxes, maybe blind box keychains? Yes and yes. So let me explain the keychain aspect. Um, I probably sold more keychains in my career, particularly toy keychains, going back to the basic fun days and anybody in the world. And when we started World Smallest, uh, the first uh, mantra was no keychains. We've had enough of keychains. We're tired of keychains. And then, of course, you know, a year later, say, well, this one will be pretty cool with a keychain. So we have, when we do uh, a product that we cannot replicate the exact function, we have to modify it for practical reasons or size reasons, uh, like the, the, the lava lamp or, or the Polaroid, you know, which doesn't really take pictures, but it does have a cool function. That we, we, we title not world's smallest, but world's coolest. It's the same scale, same type of packaging, same price point, same presentation. But in order to designate or, or differentiate rather a world's coolest from world's smallest, all the world's coolest have keychains. Um, and that's kind of a, kind of a, 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 signal, a signal to uh, consumers that you know, this one works. It just doesn't work exactly like, like the full size. Um, so for next year, um, we have a in, in, in blind box, which is not necessarily a keychain, but we're doing a, a blind box range based on candy brands, which is called uh, Sugar Buzz, and it's coming in really nice. That's a lot of fun to work on. Uh, and then the keychain space, um, uh, we have two or three miniature items that um, we will be launching. Um, it's a little bit early for me to talk about them now, but yes, there will be more coming. Cool. Um, so this this question is a uh, is that combination question. So um, a bunch of people wanted to know what was the toughest license to secure for the world's smallest line. Well, the ones the toughest ones are the ones I haven't gotten yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's quite, there's a couple that that we are we've been chasing that that, that haven't haven't yet come our way. Um, probably Dungeons and Dragons. 
Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They don't. They you know Hasbro is very uh, and Wizards of the Coast are very protective of the brand as they should be, and they really hadn't licensed anybody to do figural um, pieces. Um, so the fact that they and and by the way, um, we they 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 kind of came to us eventually and said you know we're really happy with the work you're doing and we'd like to give you an opportunity. Um, that was something that had been off the table for for, for quite a while. That's cool. Yeah, and that, and that talk about a world of like endless catalog of characters and designs and colors, shapes, sizes. I mean, that's it's, it's nearly uh, endless. Uh, the first product is actually going to be hitting shelves in a few weeks, and, and I'll tell you the truth: it, that was one of the tougher ones we had to do in in, in, in small scale. That you know, um, fan base is very loyal, and um, you know we were challenged to make sure we came up product that would that would meet their standards. All right, the next one is from a friend of the pod at Creepy NJ. Um, the Wacky Packages line has some cool video game inspired boxes. Any chance we'll see micro consoles slash game carts in the future? Uh, we only we, we we produce what's been done. So if they've been created as as wacky package stickers by tops or cards, um, then um, it's certainly on our roster. Now I'm going to actually piggyback on his question here because it it just made me think of something. It, is is has have you ever thought about going into doing micro uh you know like actual video game consoles like a little NES or a little Sega Genesis or N64 with like removable carts and stuff uh you guys got to get up to date um we do a line called uh, Tiny Arcade oh. which is a um a line of, of miniature replicas of arcade video games. We have a lot of the classics. So it's a, it's a one and three quarter by an inch and a half screen. Um, Pac-Man, Ms. Pac-Man, Space Invaders, uh, Tetris. Um, we do a, uh, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Um, we do a, uh, a mashup of Hello Kitty Pac-Man. Um, um, so these are all full play, full function. We program these games to be exact replicas of the original arcade games. So Pac-Man has 254 levels, uh, high high definition screens, uh, you know, high resolution screens, high definition imaging, um, authentic sound. So that we've we've been doing for a couple of years. We're a little challenged now because there's a worldwide chip shortage, which I yeah. know you're, you're aware of. So that's slowed us down a little bit, but. Um, so we took all of our resources essentially and put them into two new items this year since we were knew we would have a um, supply chain um, shortage we put all of the components into the two new ones which is a, a miniature dance dance revolution which you dance with your fingertips <laughs> Very cool. and we do the uh tw atari 2600 console game so nice. it is a uh a true reproduction of a mini miniature console, uh, the 1978 version of Atari. It has a TV. That's an old box style TV that you know your parents had in their living room, your grandparents had in their living room. Um, it has a, jo a working joystick, which is a controller, and it has the console. Um, there are 10 games pre-programmed into it, um, complete gameplay. Nine of the 10 are Atari games, and the 10th is Pac-Man. And what's really cool about Pac-Man is that um, when we did the tiny arcade, the 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 the, you know, the, the, the self-standing video arcade one, um, we replicated those arcade graphics. When Atari came out with the original uh, Pac-Man version, it was really dumbed down based on the available technology. So it was really clunky and the ghosts would flutter and sometimes disappear and everything was sort of boxy looking. And that's what Bandai, who owns Pac-Man, wanted us to replicate. So even though we have a much nicer version elsewhere in our line, the Pac-Man that's shown on the, the Atari 2600 console is that late 70s, clunky, goofy, kind of downrated version of Pac-Man. Oh, see, I, I, we knew about the, the arcade cabinets, but I, I, I had not seen this. Uh, and now I'm, I'm looking at actually the, an announcement article. The DDR and the, the Atari, they look absolutely fantastic. I need, I need that DDR for my, uh, 
again for going back to not only do I love I love me some DDR, but you know, I gotta I gotta have my my action figures <laughs> play DDR. <laughs> I can't, play with. It's even got the um, bar in the back for them to hold on to. This is great. Yeah, uh, we're really, we're really cool. happy. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. They're they're, they're both are really cool products. So I, I I hope you guys can continue with that uh with with like the home home console idea because like you know again go, you know having something like a little you know e- even if it goes back to you know throw, having to throw a keychain on it because you can't have it play Nintendo sixty four games but like having you know a little N sixty four GameCube or Nintendo or Sega Genesis like that would be that would be awesome. It's been on the uh, it's only been on the planning board. So um, um, and when we do them, we we this stuff we we we've got a pretty good programming team. So we're we've been impressed with ourselves of how you know how accurate we've been able to rep- uh, reproduce these games in small size. So just uh, keep watching; it can happen. So so with that, that's the that's the end of the Q and A section. Uh, thank you f- thank you to everybody who submitted uh, submitted questions. We hope we hope you you like the answers that you got. Um, Thank you. Uh, and, and with that, it leads us into our final question uh, of, of the interview. So, Dave, would you like to fulfill your role as this podcast's James Lipton and ask our final question? Uh, yes. So um, the final question that we ask all of our guests is, what is your favorite and or strangest piece in your collection? Now, it could be one of each. It could be both. Um, but what is your favorite and or strangest piece in your collection? All right, so I can't pick a favorite because it depends on the time of day, day of the week. You know, there's different favorites. But I will tell you one of my strangers, and I mentioned the the antique toys. So this, the, the 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 tin wind ups I focus on are prefer, my my preference is toys that reflected the culture of of those times. So as you can expect, I got some pretty strange toys. Um, <laughs> So there's there's actually two that come to mind that are that are really really odd. One of them is it's a wind up ten toy that's a very uh, natally dressed gentleman with a suit and a uh, and a hat sitting on a bench surrounded by palm trees, and next to him is what looks like I guess was at the time a, a, a trash receptacle, a trash can with a cover. And how this works is you take the lid off the trash can and you put a lit cigarette into it now keep in mind these are toys that were built for kids so really tells you how far we've come as 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 a, as a society put the lid back on with the lit cigarette wind it up and the man on the bench will begin smoking his pipes and blowing smoke out of the pipe <laughs> so. and the daddy. other one is kind of kind of a famous toy it was made in germany about 1900 and it, it, it's called the chimney sweep and it's it's this really strange toy. It, it, it's a it's a man in a baker suit pedaling. So he's got a bicycle and it's a wind up pedal motion. A uh, a cart like like maybe you can picture it as as a kind of an old time ice cream cart that you'd see. Only it has what looks like a pretzel painted on the side of it. But hanging on the back of the cart is a man dressed in all all black. He almost looks like a ninja, and he's holding a broom. And as you wind it up. The baker pedals the, the the bicycle, pulling the cart, and the man on the back, who's supposed to be a chimney sweep, who looks like a ninja, is whacking his broom at the baker while he's pedaling. At the same time, the baker, with his other hand, is whacking the chimney sweep with a spoon. <laughs> you know, I had to Google that one while you were describing it, and it's it's I found it. Yeah, that's the that, description. Am I pretty accurate? Hundred. Hundred percent. You could not have described that better in fewer words. You you couldn't have done it. It was perfect. And yeah, it that does not look like a chimney sweep. That looks like a ninja. <laughs> <laughs> and why he's attacking this poor baker selling pretzels from his bicycle is I, I've never understood. But apparently, it was a common enough occurrence for a company to invest and manufacture a toy based on it. <laughs> and I love the. I found a picture of one that has like the original art with it um baker and sweet uh but yeah even the art like and the baker the baker and the arts turn around like hey why are you whacking me yeah that's that's funny that is a that is a great toy oh 
Well, Alan, thank you so much for, for again, for taking the time to, uh, to join us on Adventures in Collecting. Before we let you go, um, just tell us, where can we find out the latest news about Super Impulse? Uh, where can we find, uh, find you on the interwebs? All that good stuff. Uh, we're kind of after all over. So we, uh, we, we have social um, um, digital posts all the time. Follow us on TikTok, on uh, Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, all the usual places. You can always go to our site. Um, we have a storefront set up on Amazon. So we're out there. Awesome. Thank you again so much for, uh, for, for joining us, Alan. It was my pleasure. I really enjoyed talking to you guys. Thanks very much. Thank you, dear listener, for hanging out with us today. Subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you listen, and then tell your friends to do it. Thanks also to Joe Azari, the golden voice behind our intro. Our music is Game Boy Horror by the Zombie Dandies. Find more about them both in our show notes. Follow us on social media at AIC underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Stop by and say hi. Show us your toy hauls and share your toy stories. Maybe we'll talk about it in a future episode. Don't try this at home. Voidware prohibited and some assembly required. Each sold separately, not a flying toy. Consult a physician if your toy run exceeds more than four hours. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.